You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, everybody. Today is a little bit different. I will be talking to myself, and you might be seeing a few more of these episodes throughout the year. I'm trying to get some more content out there, and I've got some things on my mind that I'd like to share that don't necessarily fall into a specific interview or or conversation that I have with people. So while I still plan to keep the conversations and the interviews with all of my amazing and inspiring guests coming through, I, I would like to take some time on the podcast and create an opportunity for myself to share some of the experiences that I've been having, that I've been going through, and that I'd like to hopefully choose to inspire someone else. So today's one of those days. Um, I hope you enjoy these types of episodes. They'll probably be a little bit shorter in duration, um, but regardless, I'm going to sit on here and just kind of vent and talk to you about things that are going on and hopefully things that you'll choose to care about. Um, But with that being said, today, I really want to sit down and talk to you about my recent adventure running a marathon. So 26.2 miles later, and I am still here. If you're someone that follows me on social media, then you've likely already seen a post come through your feed regarding the recent Dallas Marathon that I participated in. This is something that I had been aiming for for as long as I can remember, at least for as long as I can remember since moving to Dallas. So as an avid runner, accomplishing the feat of running a marathon was something that I've always aspired to essentially check off my list. However, the road to successfully completing the marathon, well, that took a little bit of a two steps forward and one step back type of approach. It wasn't necessarily my first shot or my first try that I was able to complete the marathon. So let me explain a little bit. Let's backtrack to 2021. Every year, the BMW Dallas Marathon takes place around the second week of December. So in 2021, this was my first year living in Dallas, Texas. I decided it's time for me to give running a marathon a shot. I'd always been someone that was a runner cross country in high school, was never any good, uh, but always running at least to stay in shape, if nothing else. So 2021, with only a few months out from the marathon, I from the Dallas Marathon, I ended up going online, did a quick Google search, did a little bit of research behind that and found a 12-week marathon training program that I thought was going to prepare me enough to complete the dreaded elevation that the Dallas Marathon course has to offer. And if you're someone that runs marathons, the Dallas Marathon is not a fast course. It is not known for having PR set here. Um, The guy that won this past year, I believe, averaged and this is not to knock him by any means, Um, he averaged a five minute and 36 second mile for 26 miles, which is absolutely absurd. But it's still like 35 minutes off the world record. So it's just to put it in perspective a little bit. So backwards, 12 week marathon training plan. However, I complete the I complete the uh, training plan. But two days prior to the to the race, I caught a virus that was spreading. 
and was actually unable to compete in the Dallas Marathon. I even went um, after kind of letting the virus run through my system. The day before, I tried to do what's called a shakeout run. And essentially what a shakeout run is, is going out and after you've gone and tapered down um, to lower mileage leading up to race day, usually the day or two days before the race, you kind of shake and the you marathoners out there don't come at me for the way that I'm explaining this and the lack of uh, serious science backing my explanation here. But essentially what I'm trying to say is a shakeout run is a run that's very short in duration and it takes place almost immediately before your upcoming race. And it's just to kind of shake you out. It's just to get you moving, get the blood flowing, get you used to running and, and or get you feeling good about running. Make sure you're not having any small tweaks or injuries or things that uh, you need to pay attention to before actually going out to the race. So I go out, I, I'm fresh off the virus. The, it's the day after it ran through my system and I try and do a shakeout run. Now to put this in perspective, during that time, I was training probably 30 miles a week for those 12 weeks or up to that point for some of those weeks. And on most of my runs, I would average a nine and a half minute mile. And those nine and a half minute miles, my heart rate would be anywhere from 150 to 160, sometimes even down into the 140s. And that's running like nine to nine and a half minute pace. I did a one mile shakeout run. I ran it at 12 minutes and 50 seconds, and my heart rate was over 180 beats a minute. So that virus was definitely still factoring into my body. There was really no way I was going to make it through 26.2, um, despite how bad I actually wanted to go and run. Um, so I said no, um, and I didn't do it. And that was with the support of, uh, my parents and, and my beautiful fiance, or she was just my girlfriend at the time, but my beautiful fiance, Rachel. And so I guess to kind of backtrack to the storyline again, but, you know, despite that setback, I knew I was still wanting to compete, compete and complete a marathon. And so I decided, you know what, it didn't happen for me this year, but next year's my year. And so I set my sights on 2022. Now, Fast forward to 2022, after officially having been a Dallas resident for over a year at this point, I knew it was only fitting that the Dallas Marathon be the race that I attempt to complete first. So only this time, uh, a little more intense training and, and focused planning. So this time I found a 16 week, so we upped it from 12 to 16 I found a 16-week marathon training plan that I altered slightly to fit my routine as a runner, and from there, it was time to get moving. So what I really mean by, you know, tweaked it slightly or altered it slightly was that initially, I was following the training plan to a T, I mean, exactly as instructed, but I really quickly began to burn out. I mean, the sheer amount of time that it took was just taking up too much of my life. Uh, many weeks consisted of over 30 miles that... I really just didn't feel were providing me as much value as I'd hoped. So I adjusted the routine, which was probably not the smartest move I've ever made, given, you know, hindsight, looking back at how tough the race actually was. But I adjusted the routine to encompass three to four weekly training runs that were shorter in duration, um, usually like three miles, honestly. And then mileage. Uh, was only one weekly long run where I took it slow, steady for you know a long period of time. Eventually, those long runs worked their way up to 18 miles. 
but that was as far as I got prior to race day. And I know people say that for your first, your, excuse me, for your first marathon, you don't actually need to run 26.2 during your training. But let me tell you, however great as 18 miles is, it is no marathon. I knew that my biggest challenge was ahead. And as the date neared, it would benefit me less to continue increasing my mileage. And so I decided that after my 18 miler, even though I was supposed to go longer in a few of my upcoming training runs or, or weekly long runs, I decided it was time to taper down. So with my longest run ever being 18 miles, I started to taper. For all of you that don't know what taper means, and I'm sure it's pretty self-explanatory, but essentially the way a marathon training plan works is that for, let's let's look at the 16-weeker that I did. So for those 16 weeks, I had this training plan I was following, and each week the mileage, the weekly mileage increased. So I would go from running, you know, 15 miles to 20 miles to 21 to 22 to 24, 28 to 30 to 35 to 36. And as those weekly mileage, as the weekly mileage increased, you got stronger and stronger as a runner. Your heart rate became lower because you were used to running at that extent before. And then once you get a little over halfway, usually like three to four weeks out from your actual race day, you begin what's called the taper. And like I said, pretty self-explanatory, but all it is, is it takes the increasing weekly mileage and it becomes a decreasing weekly mileage. So now we're going down in value. We're going from at its peak, like 42 miles a week down to, you know, 36. And then we're jumping even, you know, more to 25 and then 18. And then the last week we're only running like six or seven miles leading up to race day just to, again, shake out. But that takes me to race day. So on race day around, I think it was like 445 in the morning, I woke up. I wanted to have time to kind of stretch, drink my coffee, eat some breakfast, and roll out ahead of my 8.50 race time. And the way that race day works, for those of you that are unfamiliar, is they've got different corrals. And so what that means is there's so many people running the Dallas Marathon that we can't all stand next to each other there at the starting line. It would go for blocks. And so what they'll do is when you sign up for the race, you submit your estimated finishing time. And based off of that estimated finishing time, they'll then go and corral you into a specific group or corral. They had four this year that I'm aware of, A, B, C, and D. A took off at 8.30, B at 8.40, C was me at 8.50, and then D took off at 9 a.m. The Corral A group is usually like the elite runners. They are the ones that are like pushing the pace. They're the ones that have the caravan at the front leading them, and they're going to win the race. One of those people is the, the race day winner. And a little sidebar, I'll get back to the rest of the race, but as I, well, I guess I'll get there when I get there because I want to walk you through each kind of phase of the race. But so I wake up, I stretch out. My, my race time was 8.50. So I arrived at my corral around 7.45 a.m. to continue stretching, ensure I got a decent position towards the beginning of my group. Then at 8.50, my corral took off for our 26.2-mile journey. I was quickly greeted by my fiance Rachel, some friends and family as I approached the half-mile marker, so pretty short into the race, where they cheered me on and then left me 
to go wait on me at the nine mile marker. And this worked out perfectly because at the Nile, well, at like the six mile marker, you kind of leave where you're originally running from and you turn onto Greenville Avenue. So to start off, you run through downtown Dallas and then you go through the historic Highland Park neighborhood. You get to look at all of the beautiful homes. There's people there cheering you on throughout the neighborhood. And then you turn down what I consider to be the most exciting stretch of the entire race, even comparable with that of the finish line. Um, and that's Greenville Avenue. And so Greenville Avenue is actually the street that Rachel and I live on. And we live at the end of the, sh I guess we live far, far enough down the street to where it was about two miles from where I initially turned on Greenville, Greenville until I ended up actually seeing Rachel and my family and friends uh, posted up outside of our apartment complex. Greenville is known for, you know, it's bustling shops and bars and restaurants that line either side of what I'd call a fairly historic street. It's really nestled tightly within one of Dallas's most well-known neighborhoods. Uh, the street serves as, honestly, the location of the majority of supporters throughout the race. And again, I say that's with the caveat of the actual finish line, but the majority of the supporters throughout the race stay on Greenville Avenue. And this was, I say, my most fun part of the race because as you're going, I mean, I'm only six miles in, seven miles in, eight miles in, nine miles in while I'm going down Greenville. And you've still got that adrenaline in you. You're still feeling good about the race so far. You're not completely distraught yet. And you're actually still running with the half marathoners. You haven't split off or they haven't split off to go back towards downtown yet. And while you're running, there's so many people out that they'll give you water, they'll give you Gatorade, and they've actually got people on the sidelines, I guess I'll call it the sidelines, on the sidewalks lining the street, and they're giving out shots of fireball, uh, they're giving out beer, and these marathoners, I guess these, I mean, these elite, and when I say elite, I don't mean the the marathoners that are out there trying to come, uh, trying to win the race, when I say elite marathoners, I'm talking about the 65-year-old men who are on their 60th marathon and they can drink a couple beers throughout the race while they're doing it. Those are the elite marathoners, in my opinion. Um, so these elite marathoners are taking fireball shots and keeping up with me. And not that I'm the fastest guy in the world, but it, it's just kind of mind-boggling because the last thing on my mind during that stretch of the race was taking a shot of fireball or, or having a sip of beer. My mind was solely on where's the next water station? Where can I find some pickle juice for these horrid cramps and then where can i find you know my my crew to cheer me on and give a hug to and say hi and that's where i get to next i, I run up and you know as we live on the corner like i said i made my way through the crowd i approached mile nine and i saw my phenomenal support group waiting there to cheer me on um at this point of the race i had instructed rachel to have a granola bar ready to hand off to me so i could really gain some much needed energy before I head down towards the lake. However, with the adrenaline pulsing through me and the crowd cheering for the runners, I instead waved off the granola bar, shouted to my crew, I'm feeling dangerous. A sentiment I would soon regret. Because as you leave Greenville, shortly after saying hi to my crowd and letting them know that I am feeling dangerous, you head down to White Rock Lake. So after leaving what I'd called the hustle and bustle of Greenville Avenue, myself and the other runners made a left turn to head down towards White Rock Lake. 
The lake is a nine-mile loop surrounded by some of the most prominent homes in Dallas, sitting amongst the hilltops that line the shore. Now, don't get me wrong. I had trained at White Rock Lake plenty of times prior to race day, but hardly ever after having already run 11 miles. The lake had aid stations set up every two miles or so to help runners refuel, water, Gatorade, pickle juice, etc. But the mental side of running a marathon really crept in on you at this point because there was just a lack of supporters that were able to physically stand along the lake. It's too hard to get to, especially with all the road closures. Like It was just harder for people to sit there and cheer. Um, so that nine-mile portion of the race that was White Rock Lake was a lonely portion of the run for me. As I began to experience cramps that I had never felt before, from, a, from around mile 15 all the way until I finished the race, I had to stop every 400 yards or so and massage out, apologies for the gruesomeness of this, but tennis ball size knots that were popping out of my quad muscles. So every 400 yards, I was, I was, I was jogging and I was going slow at this point. And then I I have this tremendous pain and these little knots would pop out of my legs and I had to stop and I'd massage them out. And this slowed me down tremendously. But at the end of the day, I kept on running and or walking until I eventually made it around the lake up the dreaded hill at mile 20 and all of the way back to downtown where my support group was waiting to cheer me on as I crossed that much desired finish line. This was one of the greatest accomplishments that I have ever had. I, you know, I'm one of those people that is always looking for another challenge. There's always something that I'm striving for, whether that be in college, um, striving for a new position in an organization, whether that be striving for a new position within the business school, whether that be trying to start a new business, whether that be trying to follow some 16-week training plan for a marathon and then running a marathon, you know, whatever it is, there's always something on my mind that I have to be striving towards. And the marathon was definitely extremely rewarding. I will say that I really hope to do it again one day. I'm thankful for the ability that I have to to walk and to run and to be active because I know um, we take it for granted a lot of times, the simple things that we have in life. And, and I try to really be self-reflective and self-aware of those things because I really am lucky to get the opportunity to do things like this. And so if I'm granted the opportunity to run another marathon, I plan to do so. And I really want to train a little harder this time, see if I can't get my time down. You know, this first marathon was more so geared towards, let's just finish. Let's finish the marathon. And then from here on out, I'm hoping that I can get a little faster and a little faster. Not that I think I'll ever be sub three hours in running the Boston Marathon, but I do think I can get it to where I'm running the entire 26 miles as opposed to a big walk, jog, uh, run kind of cadence that I had during this one. But regardless, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I'll do it again um, one day. I think I'll take a break from Dallas Marathon this upcoming year as it'll probably be, right? It will be, if it's the second week of December, it'll be the week of Rachel and I's upcoming wedding. So that's exciting. It's a good reason to miss. Um, but yeah, just... 
I mean, in closing, uh, a few things I learned from running a marathon, um, serious and also <laughs> kind of comical at some points, but a few things I learned are, you know, a, a great support team really does make all of the difference. The easiest miles I ran were the ones where I knew I was about to see my crowd up ahead cheering me on with signs and videos and pictures and snacks and Gatorade and whatever else I needed. Um, takeaway number two is that your feet will hurt worse than you expect. My feet felt like I had broken every tiny bone in them. And that was not something I was expecting. Even after my 18 mile training run, my feet, I mean, they hurt, but they didn't hurt that bad. During those last like six miles, I literally thought I had broken all the bones in my feet and every step was just like sheer pain. Um, so your feet will hurt worse than you expect them to. Takeaway number three, and this was something that was actually told to me prior to the race, and I believe it wholeheartedly, but smiling helps your mentality throughout the race. Smiling can get you through the race because the race is, I'd say, about 85% mental. It really is. I mean, 15% of it is, did you go in? Did you do the trainings that you were supposed to do, the runs you were supposed to do? And then the other 85% of it is, it's still going to suck having done all that training and having done all of those things you did leading up to race day. So how are you going to get through it? And so the that's where the other 85% comes in. And that's why smiling really helps keep a positive mindset, gives you a positive attitude about the pain that you're going through at the time. That was number three. Um, and then number four, Dallas has more hills than I expected. I mean, I didn't realize it, but Dallas, I mean, the elevation gain was just, excuse me, absolutely terrible. So that's something to be aware of. I thought I was doing well by running White Rock Lake and training there prior to race day, but there are some serious hills that I need to, uh, to put in some effort on prior to running the Dallas Marathon again. So that's it. Those are my four key takeaways. That's my story of, of running the Dallas Marathon. Thanks, everyone. Um, if you read this as a blog post, thank you so much. I guess if you read this as a blog post, you could have done that and then listened to it. But if you read this as a blog post, thank you. Um, if you're only watching it on YouTube, thank you. Go check out my podcast at up to the mic underscore pod. If you search it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's just up to the mic. Um, if you're only listening to this on the podcast, do know that you can go check out my website, vinnyhill.com, and see all of these episodes as blog posts or most of them as blog posts. And then you can also go check out the YouTube channel um, up to the mic on YouTube. Uh, if you want to learn more about my experiences or training for a marathon, um, don't hesitate. Reach out via vinnyhale.com. Reach out to me on Instagram or TikTok at up to the mic underscore pod. And like I said, I will see y'all in the next one. Thanks. Let's go. Yeah. I'm like an addict, do I gotta have it? I ain't even playing, got a really bad habit.